Welcome to Fireside Nets, brought to you by Empire Sports Media. We are your hosts. I'm Spen Harris. He is Nick Shanman. And I got a knock-knock joke for you. Uh, okay. Knock-knock. Who's there? Mikhail Bridges. That's who. I'm going to go. That, that's not a knock-knock joke. There's no – you know what? At least call him by his nickname, Brooklyn Bridges. I mean, the emergence of Mikhail Bridges, it's got to be the lead of this podcast. We're a Brooklyn Nets podcast. He has cemented himself as the best player on the team. Um, He has been absolutely lights out since joining the Nets. We'll get into this uh, dominating win against the Hornets in which Bridges had 33. He also had 19 first quarter points, which was a career high. We'll get into the Celtics win in which Bridges had 38. And was absolutely huge as the Nets pulled off a comeback against the Celtics, who, let's face it, they've had a rough few games with the New York teams. Uh, looks like they're they're in another close battle with with Cleveland tonight. That game's almost over, so we'll update uh, we'll update everybody with the result there. But yeah, man, Mikael Bridges, outside of a few not so great games, that first game against the Knicks, um, actually, yeah, the second game against the Knicks, he had twenty one, but. That first game against the Knicks, I believe he had um, – it's right here. He only had seven points in that first game. So he's had a few moments where, you know, he hasn't played played great. But for the most part, he's been the best player on this team since the trade happened. Um, and I'm just – yeah, I'm just I'm, – I'm happy to, to see him thriving here in Brooklyn. A lot of people are saying Phoenix did not know what they had before they traded him. So, Nick, what are your thoughts on uh, the emergence of Brooklyn Bridges, a.k.a. Mikhail? I mean, he looks great, dude. He's like a better, younger, shorter KD, better defender, better all-around player. No, in all seriousness, I mean, he's a two-way player, which is very rare in this league these days to have a guy who's as dominant as him offensively and defensively. Obviously, the offensive domination has come in a Brooklyn Nets uniform. That happens when you're behind – Devin Booker, CP3, DeAndre Ayton uh, on a Phoenix Suns team that had just too much depth and too many options. So it's really incredible to see the guy's young. He's got years ahead of him. He's not even in his prime, and he's already averaging the past couple games over 30 a game and locking down, you know, the best guard on the other team. I also want to give credit to Cam Johnson, another guy who on the Suns was coming off the bench for a good, you know, solid offensive spark. Now he's our, what, I would say third guy. Uh, I guess if you give Dinwiddie the number two spot and Cam Johnson's really coming into his own as a scorer, he had a clutch like floater layup and one against the Celtics the other day to kind of solidify that lead towards the end of the game. So Mikhail Bridges, obviously forefront of the conversation right now, the number one guy on this Brooklyn Nets team. And it's only up from here for him, but got to give credit to Cam Johnson, uh, Dinwiddie, you know, Dinwiddie's always that guy who's been up and down, has an unbelievable shooting night and off night, unbelievable shooting night, but we're kind of getting what we need out of him. Uh, I guess the only person I would say, like we talked about last time, is Claxton, who's been slowing his role a little bit with these new guys working out the chemistry. But, yeah, dude, I'll, I'll focus on Mikael Bridges for now, and it's really fun to see. I, I think he's the guy, and if we could build around him going forward, it's exciting. 
We can we can get to Clax and, and Cam Johnson in a bit. I have a fun game. I want to play with you. Um, but since joining the Nets, Mikhail Bridges is averaging 26.1 points per game. He's shooting 50% from three-point range, 54% from the field. Uh, and he's he's just been phenomenal. What else we got? We got 1.6. No, that's 5.9 rebounds a game, 3.1 assists per game, 1.1 steals per game, 0.7 blocks per game. Um, he's a do-it-all type of player. Just, just been very happy uh, to see that, you know, even though it's been bittersweet since KD and Kyrie left and love the fact that they duked it out and, and Kevin Durant came came out on top uh, on Sunday, uh, at least we got some promising younger players on this team that, that we can look forward to. So let's get to, you know, the, the, the games that the Nets played. We'll start. Wait, can we acknowledge, because you said Kevin Durant, yeah. we want to acknowledge him and Kyrie not even – making eye contact in that Mavs Suns game the other day the other night where Booker and Doncic almost went at it. And I'm gonna take Doncic's side here. Booker now has Durant and then talk shit with three seconds left when the game is over. Doncic was like, yo, if you're gonna talk shit, please don't do it with three seconds left. Um but Durant uh Kyrie didn't even converse. And that that could just kind of shows the relationship they had on this Nets team once Kyrie decided to leave kind of just blindsided KD. And the fact that KD voiced that frustration and Kyrie doesn't even try to make amends or make peace or, or even just, I don't know, there's something that really irks me about it, about Kyrie, that makes me feel so much better that he's not on the Nets anymore, if that makes sense. If you look at the Mavs, what, two and five as of yesterday or the day before, I'm not sure if they had a game last night, two and five in their first seven with Doncic and Kyrie both on the floor. So bad news bears for the Mavs and Kyrie uh, still, still got love for KD, but just an interesting lack of interaction in that Suns Mavs game. Few things here. And I'm actually glad you brought this up because I, as an S fan, I think we all paid very close attention to the game on Sunday, what transpired, how it ended. If you listen to what Kevin Durant has said about the trade request from Irving and the last few weeks in Brooklyn, he was not super crazy about Kyrie calling it quits when he did. KD thought that the Nets had finally developed some type of momentum. They had finally developed a culture. They had won a few games without him with Kyrie leading the way. And um, I think in a lot of ways, Kevin Durant sort of looked at Kyrie and was like, you're really just going to, you're going to quit on me like this? After everything we've been through, after, you know, all your bullshit, putting yourself ahead of the team, whether it was the vaccination or the lack thereof, whether it was not apologizing for, for you know, the anti-Semitic doc. There were so many instances where Kyrie said, it's me ahead of you guys. And KD sat there and took it. And finally, at the end of the day, just when the Nets were starting to get a little momentum, Kyrie's like, you know what? You guys aren't giving me the contract I want. I'm out. Trade me. So I think, and then I think that was Kevin Durant's perception of what happened. I don't know, but hearing what KD has said about it, I've kind of put context clues together, and, and that's been that's been my conclusion. So it didn't surprise me that the two didn't interact during that Phoenix Dallas game. I 100% agree with you that Devin Booker, he he always tends to do this. You know, last year in the playoffs when they were beating the crap out of the Mavs. He, he gets fouled, he, he dives on the floor, and he starts making fun of Luca. Oh, it's the Luca special, right? 
and he's smacking the ball out of Luca's hands and he's talking trash. And Luca had a very similar quote last season. You know, it's a famous quote because Michael Jordan said it back in the day when the Bulls were playing the Hornets, right? It's easy to talk big when you're up. What bothered me about that whole Booker sequence is Kevin Durant scored the final four points of the game. He hit the big mid-range jumper to put the Suns up two, and he hit the two free throws to ice the game. Yet Booker is the one who, who's who's running his mouth and, and talking shit. So whatever. Still happy that KD won, but at the same and Kyrie lost. But at the same time, I I just thought I, Booker he does a lot of bitch things. I'm not saying he's a bitch. He's a much bigger person than me. Much better athlete. Much better shooter. But he does a few better little, looking, hmm. cooler guy. All right, let's let's not get carried away. Um, yeah, and and uh, by the way, Kyrie and Booker got into it at the end too. I don't know if you saw that. They were they were shouting stuff at each other. So interesting there. How amazing would it be if the Dallas Mavericks and Kyrie Irving missed the playoffs? I mean, that's what's funny about the Booker stuff. Is he's talking shit to like a really average to slightly below average Dallas Mavericks team that if they if they somehow sneak in as the seventh or eighth seed is going to have no traction whatsoever probably not even past the first round so that's just funny you get the best player in the league and now you're talking shit anyway it would be great if the Mavs didn't make the playoffs it's it's obviously we're on a kind of a longer track now on in this Nets organization but to make the playoffs with this team even to win a couple games I'd consider a big victory and to watch Kyrie go out would make me very happy yeah, that would, that would be phenomenal. But uh, all right, this as long is a podcast. Enough talking about former former Nets. Let's talk about this current team. Let's start with the dominating win over the Hornets yesterday. I have the score up, and I'm pulling it up to you. The score is brought to you by Empire Sports Media. You want to read about the Yankees, read about the Nets, read about the Rangers, read about the Mets, read about the Giants, read about the Jets. Go to Empire Sports Media. Shout out to Alex Wilson. Okay, 102-86 was the score as the Brooklyn Nets beat the Hornets. Mikael Bridges led the way with 33 points. Spencer Dinwiddie chipped in with 24 points, 8 rebounds, 8 assists. Cameron Johnson, a double-double, 11 points, 10 rebounds. And old Jersey Joe Harris, although I don't think he ever played for the New Jersey Nets, 12 points in 18 minutes, a few three-pointers for Joe Harris. Um this game was essentially over after halftime. The Nets were just up huge. Charlotte outscored the Nets a lot in the second half, but not enough to overcome the deficit. Uh, Nets took their, their foot off the gas a little bit. This was probably that first half, outside of the second half against the Celtics. That first, and again, we have to keep in mind the competition. The Hornets are one of the worst teams in the league. Uh, I think their best player right now is, is Terry Rozier. Nobody scored more than 20 on their team. Kelly Oubre Jr. was their leading scorer with 17. Um, so, so they're down bad. So I don't want to. I don't want to look too much into this win, but still got to play the game. Nets did their job in that first half. They put up 36 and 34 respectively, um, and and things were just clicking. You know, the turning defense to offense. The ball was moving. It looked like for the first time, and, and we'll get into the Celtics game in a second. But for the first time in a minute we could start of see what Sean Marks and Jacques Vaughn have been wanting from this team on both ends of the, of, of the floor. So um, dominating win, not much else to say. Uh, Mikhail Bridges was absolutely in fuego in that first quarter. 
And that was like, obviously he's not Kevin Durant, but what he did in the mid range. And by the way, his quote after the game about, I don't know if you saw this. um, They asked him, you know, why does, why does he take so many mid range shots? Why not focus on threes and layups? He goes, look, he goes, I I work on that shot. He's like, sometimes you can't always get to the rim. That mid range shot to me is a layup. Bro, that's like DeMar. People don't do that. That's like DeMar DeRozan, KD, like, if you can nail mid-range, everyone overplays perimeter and packs the paint. Hitting mid-range shots is a novelty in the NBA that people do not have. as a rare skill set to have, and it is huge. Um, I mean, you said most of it, right? Uh, what I like about this stat line is four players in double-digit scoring. Cam Johnson, double-double, 11 points, 10 rebounds. Mikhail, 33. Dinwiddie, 24. Joe Harris, 12. And also the distribution of rebounds. We out-passed, out-rebounded. Uh, out and had fewer turnovers than the Hornets. And I'm looking at Cam Johnson, 10 rebounds, Finney Smith, 7, Claxton, 12, Bridges and Dinwiddie, 8 and 8. You don't see that on an older Nets stat line. You see Claxton getting all the rebounds. You see Durant trying to get some rebounds. And then maybe some low two or three scattered amongst the rest of the team. Morris with a couple, Royce O'Neal with a couple. This team is playing all together on both ends of the ball. Everybody's distributing. Everybody's crashing the boards. Everybody's scoring, taking good shots. So that's what I saw in this Hornets game a really nice amalgamation of the past two weeks of this team coming together. But what I will say is it's against the Charlotte Hornets who are 20 and 46 and they are an absolutely atrocious team despite having a lot of talent. So I like talking about the Celtics game more. That's a more exciting game to me given the comeback. I know we'll get there. Hornets. If you look at the stat line shot 37%, we shot 39, we shot 27, they shot 26 from three. These weren't, wasn't an efficient scoring night by any means by either team. We just happened to play, a little bit better than a shitty team on the offensive side. But with that said, a lot of good takeaways from individual players and hustle and grind in this chemistry that's coming together. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, yeah, so so let's, let's move on to the Celtics win on March 3rd. That was Friday night. And this one was a very shocking win. Look, it's no secret that the Boston Celtics have been a more successful basketball team than the Nets in the past two years. Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, one of the best, I wouldn't call them young anymore, but one of the best duos in basketball. You round that out with Horford, Robert Williams, Marcus Smart. I mean, we all know the roster of the Celtics. They're a very deep and talented team. But in that second half on Friday night, it was the Brooklyn Nets who managed to take control of this game. Final score, 115-105, Brooklyn. Mikhail Bridges, 38 points, 10 rebounds, 4 of 6 from 3-point range. Nick Claxton, 12 rebounds in this one, only 2 points for Clax. Cam Johnson had 20 points. I'm sorry, Dinwiddie had 17 points and and 8 assists. Cam Johnson, 20. The big outlier, Nick, and this is what we had not seen since he's arrived. Dorian Finney-Smith. 17 points, 5 of 11 from three-point range. He was a plus 14 in this game. That is huge. He has been in the starting lineup, and he has been absolutely abysmal. In that Hornets game, he was 2 of 8 from three. Every The funny thing about the Hornets game, we shot 28% from three, and we still won by a million. We were able to shoot the three-point ball a little bit better in the Celtics game, 32% for the game. Um, but Dorian Finney-Smith putting in 17 points, that was absolutely vital for this team to, to beat this Celtics team. And, um, yeah, I, I was just happy to see all starters playing really well. 
this was a an unbelievable comeback and the best win so far with this new Nets unit. Uh, just because everyone stepped up, like you said. I mean, DFS, we haven't seen much of him, and he's that guy who also uh, plays two sides of the ball, passes when he needs to, hits open threes. I liked him a lot on that Mavs team, and I think they're two and five for a reason the last seven, and he is a big missing piece of that puzzle. He rebounds, he plays D, he hits open shots. He started off a little slow, like you said, the past couple of weeks with the Nets, but I like him on this roster. He's a guy I'm okay with being that fourth option offensively in the starting lineup or even fifth option in the starting lineup because I think he does all the other little things right. Uh, I watched this Nets-Celtics fourth quarter as the happiest human being on planet Earth because this is why we do what we do, put the puzzle pieces together. It's why we try to you know, move and shift and train these young guys like Claxton and bring guys in like Bridges to really shine. Guys like Cam Johnson, who went from being the sixth, seventh man on a team to the uh, 3-4 offensive option on a team who's really coming in, hitting some big shots in the clutch. Spencer Dinwiddie, we always know what he could do in the clutch. He always hits a big shot when he needs to, has all the confidence in the world, three-point driving, he could do it all. So to me, this is watching everyone in their true element. This is kind of like the potential that we see, right? We do that consistently, that second half against the Celtics. We're looking at a, at a, at a fourth or fifth seed in the East, right? We're sitting at sixth right now. But we're looking at a team that could potentially make a run if they're able to work and play together. I will say the Celtics are on the downturn right now. They have not looked good. They've lost a couple to the Knicks. They lost to us. Um, they've been out of it. I know Brown wasn't there for a couple games. I know Tatum goes in and out of his hot streak. and He's coming on the – he's going downhill lately too, shooting-wise. So we're catching the Celtics kind of on a little bit of a skid. With that said, that's still the number two team in the East behind the Bucks. That's still a team that we fucking hate and we love beating. So really fun to watch. Amazing comeback. If we could start building around that, building around that momentum and really being a little more consistent with our play, I mean, really the sky's the limit with this team. We were down 28 points in this game. We let up uh, 37 first quarter points to the Celtics, down 28, and we came back. And we absolutely took control of this game. And and the one thing, you know, look, I'm going to sing his praises a lot during this episode. I already have. Mikhail Bridges had his moments in that fourth quarter where the Celtics were inching back, inching back. And he he hit a, a few really big shots, especially one three um, down the stretch. Uh, and, and just really nice to see him, you know, take over a game that included Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. Um, I will say, though, in the last thing, yeah. is on not a sad note, but on just an observatory note that I think everyone who's a Nets fan needs to be aware of with these new changes in the lineup and the roster, you're looking at a combined, in a huge win, you're looking at a combined 22 minutes out of Joe Harris and Seth Curry. So you're yep. seeing these guys having to take a back seat uh, to Cam, to DFS, to, to Dinwiddie. Obviously, Joe had a great last game against the Hornets. Uh, I think it was four for six from the field. Uh, playing about 20 minutes, 18, 20 minutes. But that's against a crappy team. He's going to get more minutes. He's going to have more opportunity. Against the Celtics team, you're going to see these guys who are either starting or quick to come off the bench are moving towards ladder in our roster right now. And shout out to Jacques Vaughn. I mean, he's been trying very hard to find the right uh, lineups and, and get the right rotations in. But in a game like this against the Celtics team that's offensively very talented, you had to lean on the defense. That is why everybody played over 20 minutes, including Royce O'Neal, who's been a pretty good six man for the Nets these last few games.
But Joe Harris, like you said, Joe Harris, eight minutes, Seth Curry, 14 minutes, and Cam Thomas, seven minutes. Those three guys are the worst three defenders who get minutes on this team. I'm not including, you know, Dayron Sharp, Patty Mills, Dennis Smith, Duke, uh, David Duke Jr., and Yuta Watanabe wasn't available for this game. Um, but those those three guys, you know, Curry and Joe Harris, it's, it's very obvious that they have uh, deficiencies on defense, and Cam Thomas is, is not known for his defense either. So I get it. It makes sense. Uh, you know, Vaughn had to go with, with a defensive heavy rotation against the Celtics. Um, all right, Nick, we have to talk. I'm not going to talk about the Bucks game. It happened so long ago. We've played three games since then. Bucks kicked our butt in the second half. We couldn't cover Giannis pretty much how it went. Um, I do want to talk about this Knicks-Nets game, 142 to 118, the Knicks. Uh, I, I was on record saying that I gave the Nets a pass in that first loss against the Knicks. Cause I thought, you know, bridges had just got there to throw him, Cam, you know, Dinwiddie's been here before, but he hasn't been here in a minute. Throw those four new guys into this Brooklyn, New York rivalry. I just didn't think they were ready. So when, when the Knicks won uh, a few weeks ago, I said, that's fine. You know, why don't you guys see us after we've had a few games together? And they did. And they spanked us again. Um, we cannot, Stop Jalen Brunson, 39 points for him, 15 of 18 from the field. The man missed three shots all night. Um, Quentin Grimes killed us. Julius Randle killed us. 22 points for Grimes, 21 for Randle. Um, right now, the Knicks are the hottest team in the East. They've beaten the Celtics. They've beaten the Heat. They, they demolished us. Um, they've just been a really, really good basketball team. And I, I got to give credit where credit is due. I hate the Knicks almost as much, if not more, than I hate the Celtics. Probably more. I, I probably hate the Knicks a little bit more. Um, but Jalen Brunson is a top three point guard in the league. The way he's playing right now, I would say it's it's Damian Lillard, Luca, and I would say Jalen Brunson is third. Right, right Steph now. Curry's back. Don't sleep on Steph. He just got Curry's back. good, but Curry hasn't been playing the last few games, and, and Brunson's been playing out of his mind. And uh, you know what I heard today, and I, I forgot who said it, but I'll agree with him. Julius Randle has had so much of an offensive weight lifted off his shoulders, right? He doesn't have to do everything for this Knicks team. So he can focus on hitting those crazy fadeaway threes that he likes to hit. And by the way, specific to this game, I knew the fucking game was over. When Julius Randle took a fadeaway baseline three for the first shot of the game, and it just hit nothing but net. And I was like, oh, they're going to start off like that? They are going to annihilate us. And, and, and that's what happened. Uh, Cam Johnson was the high man in this one, 33 points for Cam. Cam Johnson, his highest scoring game is in net, I think. Don't quote me on that. Mikhail Bridges, 21 points, uh, 8 of 8 from the line, but just 6 of 13 from the field. Dinwiddie only had 11 points. Um Knicks scored 47 points in the first quarter, 34 in the second. This this game was over uh, by halftime. Uh, any comments about the Knicks destroying the Nets in the last two games? I mean, Knicks are on a, what, nine or ten game win streak at this point. It's the, it's the biggest streak they've had since, I believe, 2013 or 14, I heard uh, I heard on first take this morning. So let's, let's, let's get emotional. How, how much does that piss you off that they're playing this well right now? It pisses me off that they're playing really well. What pisses me off more is the Knicks fans. This is just the New York City Knicks vibe. It's like the Knicks are playing well for 10 games, and now all of a sudden they're a championship contender. Like, Knicks fans act 
like the smallest victory in in, in a tenth of a season is gonna like now they're the greatest team in the world and they worship these players. Like Emmanuel quickly is now Jesus Christ in New York City. We had Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and James Harden, and we were you know hoping to make a deep run in the playoffs and contend for a championship. You have quickly Jalen Brunson and Randall, and you guys are acting like you're hot shit because you beat a lowly Celtics team. Like try beating a team full throttle, full healthy. That's actually a championship contender team right now. The Celtics are not that team. They're in and out of injury. Their depth is running out, and they're literally on a downturn in just efficiency and win-wise. So I don't like the Knicks fans acting like this is like a team sent from heaven. You have a good streak. The Nets had a sick streak at the beginning of the season. We never fucking acted like we were gods, and if anything, we were hopeful. So it's just like this weird Knicks mentality of like the world erupts as if the Knicks are like – Look what happened with Carmelo. Look what happened with Porzingis. The same shit's going to happen. This Knicks team, at best, will finish fifth in the East, and at best, will make it to the second round. So stop acting like you have any chance at being a championship contender with a team of, like, slightly above average third-year players. Wow. Okay, strong words from uh, anti-Knicks guy, Nick Shanman. That's kind of ironic because your name is Nick. Um Speaking of collapses, the Celtics are about to lose in overtime to the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, they lost to the Knicks in double overtime the other night. They lost to the Nets a few nights ago. Celtics are, are in a bit of hot water right now, Nick. So it's it's funny to see them kind of, you know, lost against the Knicks, lost against the Nets. They, they beat the Cavs a, f- a few days ago. Then they lost to the Knicks again. This will be their fourth loss in five games. Um, so they're kind of – they're going the wrong direction, but back to what you said about the Knicks. That's the reason that I am not super pissed off because enjoy it. Enjoy this regular season success you're having. This happened two years ago. You guys got the four seed and you got smacked by Trey Young in the first round. Uh, you're probably going to draw Cleveland. Hopefully, I don't want to play the Knicks in the first round. I, I just don't. I'd rather play like Philly because I think we have a better chance to upset Philly because the Knicks play hard-nosed basketball. And that's kind of our brand of basketball now. And I think they kind of beat us there. So I would personally rather play Philly than New York. That's just me. Um, I'm kind of scared of New York right now. But I fully believe like a Cleveland Cavaliers team would beat the Knicks in a six-game series. And Donovan Mitchell would absolutely destroy them knowing that they could have traded for him and they did not. Um, I don't think the Knicks are going to get past the first round. I don't think they're going to make any noise in the playoffs. I think Julius Randle and Jalen Brunson are a nice story. They've beaten a few good teams. I think um, didn't they didn't they end the Bucks streak uh, a few games ago? That was their big thing. Yeah. So so they've they've been on a heater, right? Like you beat the two best teams in the East. You absolutely bully your your crosstown rival. Again, regular season success means shit, and. Do it in the playoffs. Don't we know it? Don't we know? Beat, it. beat, beat the Bucks in the playoffs. Beat fucking Philadelphia and Boston in the playoffs, and then I'll then I'll be pissed. If if the Knicks see any sort of momentum in the postseason, then I'll be upset. But as of right now, enjoy it. Enjoy it, Knicks fans. Enjoy it, and and talk as much shit as you want. It doesn't bother us. All right. At the time of this beatdown. Uh, I was pretty sure the Nets were absolutely done. I was very frustrated. I I was pissed off. Uh, so when I get angry, I'd like to express my feelings in the form of song. And I wrote this song about the Brooklyn Nets at the time after the Knicks lost. So 
everyone listening, I'm going to perform it to you guys right now. This is uh, this is actually the second time I performed this song on a podcast. I performed it on my other show, Two Hours No Traffic, last Wednesday. But that's when the Nets were down bad. Um, now they're on a two-game win streak. They are undefeated in their last two games. However, this was the song I wrote when they stunk. You ready? Okay, here it goes. Sure. All the Brooklyn Kinks. KD's gone. Sean Mark stinks. I'll watch every game. Josiah deserves blame. Who runs New York? Update. Now it's back to Nick's tape. Watching. Waiting. So much justified. Hating. Say it ain't so. Why do we still have Joe? All our stars left. Now the Nets blow. Sha na 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 na. I rate the song. What do you rate it out of ten? Well, you acted like it was an original. You like you did. You were like, I wrote this song, and then it was just clearly a knockoff of another song. I don't understand. What song are you referring to? Ugh, Turn the lights off. Carry me home. I don't fucking know the name of it. What is I've it? I've literally never heard that song. That was like what an original this? beat I came up with in my head. Are you thinking of that Blink-182 thing? It's Blink-182, all the small things, but that song's completely different than my song. Uh, your lyrics were clever. You rhymed, which was a surprise for you. Um, I'll give it a 6 out of 10. Ugh, you're a fucking tough grader, man. All right. Before we end the show, you know, this new looks Nets, this new look Nets team is it's a lot different, and we kind of got to, like, reshuffle in my head who's the alpha on this team so let's let's go let's go down the list i want to start with most alpha and we'll only list eight guys i don't think it makes sense to go past eight so let's start with the number one alpha guy on this team i'm not saying the best i'm saying the alpha who is your alpha dog on this team as of right now number one most alpha mikhail bridges mikhail bridges okay we're in agreement there mikhail bridges number one what's the reason because he just came to the Nets and put his freaking hammer on the table and said, I'm going to be the guy? He did put his hammer on the table. He was like, I am Thor, god of bridges, and you're going to hear me shoot the ball at a very he said high clip. 20, he said there's 21 bridges into Manhattan, and I'm the only one that matter. So I agree with you, and I also think it's because he's taken the bull by the horns. Uh, since that first Knicks loss where he didn't play great, um, he's been absolutely – on fire these past few games. You know, that Heat game was was the game that the Nets won right after the Knicks game. Mikhail Bridges had 45 points. Uh, so I agree with you number uh, on, on number one. Number two, who do you got? I'm between two players that are two and three. Come on, two is uh, easy. I'd say Dinwiddie. It's Dinwiddie. It's Dinwiddie. It's Dinwiddie. Um, Dinwiddie's been here before. He He's a good basketball player. The thing that I look about with, with Din, Dinwiddie – Dinwiddie is as good as you can be without being an all-star. He will never be an all-star, but he is close. If, if, if seven or eight, you know, guards died tomorrow, Dinwiddie would be an all-star. Do you think that's fair? He's like CJ McCollum on the Blazers. was always kind of like the second guy. was never averaging enough. Yeah. Right. But I think he's in a different position right now because he's been with this organization before. He understands how this team works. He knows Sean Marks. He knows Josiah. I, I think that, you know, out of all these guys, the new guys, the old guys, he has been able to be that clear second guy on this team, second leader, you want to call it, after Mikhail Bridges. Um, I don't know if he's as gifted and talented as Cam Johnson. He's probably not. 
But in terms of being a leader, having the confidence to hit big shots, uh, Dinwiddie was huge in that Celtics game. He was big in the Hornets game. And if the Nets, you know, are going to have any success, it's going to be with Dinwiddie running the point. You want to know who my number three is? Yeah, hit me. Royce O'Neal. Tell me why. Because he's the glue guy of this team. He's the guy. He keeps everyone together. He's a leader. He's a lockdown defender. He is not, not, not a guy who's going to hog the ball in any way, but he will hit a big three when he needs to. You know who Royce O'Neal is? Jeff Green. Royce O'Neal is a guy who gets slept on. His name is not uttered out of most players' people's mouths, but when he needs, when you need a bucket, when you need a big three, when you need a big stop, you want him on the court. I like that a lot. Um, you know what? Fuck it. I'll agree with you. We'll go Royce three as long as we can go Cam Johnson four. Deal. Did you see the bloody nose he got in that Hornets game? Yeah. Mark Williams. I feel bad for the dude's elbow because Cam Johnson's nose is a monster. Um, I like Cam Johnson's game a lot. I think he gets a little bit trigger happy from three and he's just not been shooting the ball super well from three since he's joined Brooklyn. So I'd like to see him take it to the rack a little more. I think his mid-range game is pretty underrated. He's got a nice mid-range game. He's got okay handles, but he can get to the hoop if he needs to. Uh, But I do like the fact that he's been aggressive since he's been here. And I'll give him number four after Royce. All right, number five. See, five is a tough one for me because I think the easy answer is Nick Claxton. I just, I haven't seen him be super aggressive he, I have, he, yeah. he has not he has not been the same nick claxton since kevin durant and kyrie irving left now i know my guy peter from the only nets podcast you know wants to say it's because he's a little bit banged up i don't see it i, I even if he is banged up there's something else there i don't want to say he's regressed but at the same time this isn't the guy that we were saying could be an all-star he has not been playing like that he got absolutely manhandled by mitch robinson in that loss um, scored, I think he scored two points in the victory over the Celtics. I mentioned that. Yeah, two points from Nick Claxton. I think he's under double figures the last several games. Um, and that's just not the not the Nick Claxton we are used to. Uh, eight points in the game against the Hornets um, in that 102-86 Brooklyn Nets win. So I'm going to say that <laughs> – I'm going to say that Cam Thomas is the number five alpha on this team ahead of Nick Claxton. Do you agree? Yes. Okay. Number six. I'll give it to Claxton. I'll we're say doing Claxton's the whole roster? Six. No, we're doing the first seven. That's way too many. Like three was enough. Nick Claxton's six. And seven, I'll go Seth Curry. Why? Just because he thinks he's the man? Because Seth Curry does not give two fucks if he's missing shots. Like, Seth Curry just keeps putting it up. I think in this Hornets game, his stat line was terrible. Curry was 0 of 8 from the field, 0 of 5 from three-point range. He had two points because he hit two free throws. But in 16 16 minutes, he's putting up eight shots. And the thing with Seth, man, I'm confident that even if Seth can't hit shit, he's not going to stop firing and he's going to come back. And, like, when I think about Seth and Joe, I just think Seth has a little bit more to his game. Yeah, Joe Harris had 12 points in this one, four of six and three. Great. He was a plus three. 
and and Curry was a zero as far as plus and minus goes. Like they do the same thing, just Curry's got more in his bag. So yeah, I'm gonna say that that Curry would be the seventh guy, and then after Curry, you don't have, we don't have to keep going, but Joe Harris would be eight. Okay, there you have it. We talked about all three games that mattered. We talked about the emergence of Mikhail Bridges. We talked about the biggest alphas on the team. I sang a song to you guys, an original song about the Brooklyn Nets from a few days ago. Uh, Nick, was there anything else that you wanted to cover on episode 142 of Fireside Nets? No. I hope everyone has a great week and uh, has an enjoyable life. Enjoyable life, enjoyable week, enjoyable basketball watching experience for all you Nets fans out there. Let's hope the Nets are able to keep it up against the Houston Rockets tomorrow. If you're listening on Tuesday, the game is tonight. And as always, Nick, catch you on the fire side.